We thank you for your presence here with us, God. We worship and honor and adore you. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, Lord. We praise your holy name. Bless this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. So wonderful to see you here this morning. I love that music and that worship to the Lord. I pray it really is worship to the Lord, amen, and not just singing. I pray that we're singing unto the Lord and worshiping the Lord with all of our hearts. Y'all turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, look at verse 26, if you would. But when the comforters come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. God, Jesus promised to send the comforter, that's the Holy Ghost. And we're talking about in our, in our Doctrine of Christ series, this is the 11th part. If you missed any of them, they're on the uh, YouTube channel, and they're also on our website. This is the 11th part on the doctrine of Christ. I'll say it again, not so much just the teachings of Christ, but the doctrine of Christ in the sense of who and what, who he is, who and what he is, and, and what he does for men. And here is one of the things today we're talking about in these last several sermons, the ministry of Christ. Well, certainly he came to be Savior of the world. We did a message on that. He came to be our healer and is our healer. He's our advocate and high priest at the right hand of the Father. He is our soon and coming king. He is going to be the judge of all the earth. The Lord Jesus is all of these things. And he is, and what we're going to talk about today, he is the giver of the Holy Ghost. Jesus Christ is the giver of the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ, the Lord, gives the comforter. What's some other names for the comforter? He's the comforter, Jesus calls him here. He's the Holy Spirit. He's the Holy Ghost. He's the Spirit of truth. He's the Spirit of God. He's the Spirit of Christ. He is, he is the third person of the Trinity. And every much as eternal as the others, and every much God as the others. There's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He's called the Eternal Spirit in the Bible. And so... Jesus Christ, in one of his wonderful, blessed ministries to us as his children, he sends the Holy Ghost. Look at the verse again. But when the Comforter is come, whom I will send unto you, Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. What does that word send mean? It means to dispatch. Okay, so you call, you call 911, there's a fire out in the barn, okay? Uh, they dispatch the, the local fire department to you there's a dispatcher that sends them okay out to you this with this word he said when the comfort has come whom i will send unto you from the father he's coming from the father but jesus christ sends him to dispatch to transmit to bestow like to to grace somebody with a gift to bestow a gift he is called the gift of the holy spirit as well and one of the definition towards the end, as I was reading this in the Greek, where it says, I, whom I will send, it means to dispatch, but it also means in a, or, to bestow in an orderly motion. So it, it's, it, to me, it's just orderly that the Lord would send the Holy Spirit. When he would depart, he would send the Holy Spirit. There's an order. And it's, it's, he dispatches the comforter to believers, okay? The, belief, the Holy Ghost, the Comforter, is given to men in Jesus' name. Now, I want to just read this. But you can turn, if you're, since we're close by, John chapter 14. Read with me verses 15 through 18. John 14, 15 through 18. If you love me, <clears throat> keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another Comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. 
And so here he says, whom the Father will send in my name. And so he says, I'll pray the Father. I'll pray the Father. And so the Holy Ghost is given to men in Christ and through Christ. The Holy Ghost is given in Jesus' name. The Holy Ghost is given at his bidding. Okay, I will pray the Father and he will send you. Okay, pray means to beseech or to request, to desire or to ask. I will pray the Father in John 14, 16, and he shall give you another comforter. This is very much in context with what we're talking about, okay? The giving of the Holy Ghost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, and it's, it's not a contradiction when we read in verse 15, 26, the comforter whom I will send, and then we read here in John, in John 14, 16, I'll pray the Father and he will send you another comforter. You say, well, one verse that says the Father's going to send, another verse that says I will send. Well, it's important for us. It's not a contradiction at all. To me, I'm not bothered by it at all. Jesus Christ is the giver of the Holy Ghost. He prays the Father. He beseeches the Father. He asks the Father. And, and he, the Father gives him the desires, and he dispatches the Holy Spirit uh, to men. So it's not a contradiction. Jesus and the Father are one. This is what we have to remember. Jesus said to Philip in chapter 14, we don't have time to read it, but he said, uh, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father and it will, be, it will suffice us. He says, Philip, have I really been so long with you and yet hast thou not known me? This was the end of three and a half years of being with the Lord and his earthly ministry. He says, if you've seen me, have seen the Father. I and my Father are one. Okay, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So, uh, but we do know this. I see it in the Bible that all spiritual blessing, in this dispensation which we're living in, the church age, okay, since the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, all spiritual blessings come to men through Christ, by Christ, in Christ. If you want something good from God, it's going to come through Jesus Christ. If you want salvation, it's going to come through faith in Jesus Christ. If you desire the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the, Jesus sends him. Amen? It's, it's all the blessings come to us from the Lord. Think about it. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. How? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's salvation. Okay? But all spiritual blessings come to us through Christ. Amen? That is how the Father and how God has chosen for it to be. Okay, so it's not a contradiction. Jesus said, and we, we don't have time to read it, that the Father, as the Father has power in himself to give life, the Son has power to give life. As the Father quickens who he will, so the Son quickens whom he will. Okay, even judgment. Remember, uh, we talked about uh, two weeks ago, Christ being the judge. And he says, all judgment has been committed to my hands. The Father has committed all judgment to my hands. The world is, the whole world is going to be judged by Christ. What they did with Jesus or didn't do with Jesus. Their faith in him or unbelief. So the, he's also the giver of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He says, I'll send the comforter. He says, I'll pray the Father to give you the comforter. Comforter. He says, whom the comforter whom the Father will send in my name. What does it mean when he says, send in my name? The Holy Ghost comes to us in the name of Jesus. If you have someone that's a Muslim and they want the power of the Holy Ghost upon their life, they're not going to get it through the name of Allah. They're not going to get it through some other belief system. They first must be born again, and he he'll comes in, in and through Jesus Christ, amen, whom the Father will send in my name. What does it mean in the name of Jesus? I say it a lot at the end of my prayers. I think a lot of times we'll say in Jesus' name. What does it really mean, though? It means in the authority of the Lord. It means in the power of the Lord. It also means according to his will. We ask something in his name and it's not his will, then it's really not in his name. Amen? And so this has to do with the will of God and the power and the authority of God. It's not a contradiction. He says the Father and then he says, I will send. When Jesus is speaking, now here's what I want us to move into. When Jesus is speaking about sending the comforter, 
who the Father will send in his name, who I will send. When he's talking about sending the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, he is talking about sending the Holy Spirit in his fullness. In his fullness. We're talking about what the scriptures call the baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is talking about right here. Okay, we're going to look at a lot of scriptures, but it's important for us to know that, that uh, the Bible calls it the baptism in the Holy Ghost in fire. It's called the gift of the Holy Ghost. And so I want you to turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. If you look on our doctrinal statement at Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge, we have in there that I forgot which number it is in the doctrinal statement, but it speaks to the fact that we believe in the, the gift of the Holy Ghost is given to believers that ask. Okay? And so I want us to, to see this biblically, what we're talking about. In Acts chapter 2, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. This is all the disciples. It says in the previous chapter, there was about 120. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And what the, what the scriptures say? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay, so skip down to verse 15. So what happens is the 120, uh, they've been waiting for this promise, and now they, they receive the promise, and they go out into the streets. Well, what was taking place in the city of Jerusalem at this time, the Feast of Pentecost? There were Jewish people from countries all over the place, all over the area that were in Jerusalem where the temple was for the Feast of Pentecost to celebrate this feast. It's 9 o'clock in the morning, and they hear them, all these people from these other places, hear them speaking. They got people from Egypt, people from Pamphylia, and all these places, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, and Rome, and, and Cyrene, and they hear them speaking, the 120 believers who have received the gift of the Holy Ghost, these others around hear them speaking in their native language. Oh, I'm Egyptian. I hear them speaking perfect Egyptian, and he's praising God. Okay, I hear this, this one speaking my perfect lang language. And so there was confusion as to what it meant. God's not the author of confusion. So he didn't let it stay confusing for long. All right? It was confusing for about five seconds. And then Peter stood up, filled with the Holy Ghost, start reading in verse 15, and says, For these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. It's just 9 a.m. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. He's saying, actually, this is, I'm going to bring some very uh, a clear, you know, reasoning to, to this. I'm going, to, I'm going to tell you what this is all about. And he says it's a fulfillment of a prophecy. And these Jewish people would have known the prophecy of Joel. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And all my servants and all my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. This is what Jesus is speaking of in the Gospel of John 14 and 15 and 16, which we're going to read. And it's, the, it's called here uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's the fulfillment of prophecy. It's a specific thing. Okay, it's a specific experience. It's a specific gift that's giving. And in 15 through 18, what we just read twice, it was mentioned as the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so just, uh, just so we understand this, this is very, very important I believe that the Lord have us understand this. Every born-again person, at the moment they are truly saved, when they are converted, when they believe in God and they pass from death to life, that happens in a moment, right? When that happens, every born-again person has the Holy Spirit indwelling them. You cannot be saved 
and not have the Holy Ghost living in you. It would be impossible, right? We're born how? Of the Spirit. We're born of the Spirit. It is Christ's life in us, maybe just a babe at that moment, but it is the new life of Christ in us. How is the new life of Christ in the new believer, the Holy Ghost? The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Christ. Every, if a person is born again, they have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. It's very important to understand that. Now, um, Paul says this, What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you're not your own? You've been bought with a price, right? So if somebody's born again, their body, and only at that moment, and from then forward, is their body the temple of the Holy Spirit? You cannot say to a lost person, your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Take care of your body. Don't inject drugs into your body and so forth. Your body's the temple. You know, I hear this kind of eat healthy foods because your body's the temple of the Holy Spirit. No, if you're lost, your body is not the temple of the Holy Spirit. If you're born again, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You could say a lot of other things to the lost person about being a good, you know, taking care of their body and so forth. But don't use that scripture and, you know, half of that scripture is not applying. Their body is not the temple of the Holy Ghost when you're lost. Neither was mine before I was saved, okay? But now that we're saved, our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. I want to read this just to make this point, and then we'll move on. And I'll read it from Romans 8, verses 9 and 15. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. He's saying you're saved, basically, if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. If a person does not have the Holy Spirit living inside of them, even if they're sitting in church, even if they never miss church, okay? If they don't have the Spirit of Christ dwelling in them, it says, now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. He doesn't belong to Jesus. He's not saved, okay? For ye have not received the spirit of bondage, again, to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption. That's the Holy Spirit, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. So we have to be careful. The reason I want to say that, because it, it can be, can, it can be uh, misunderstood, even in the church world, even by well-meaning people. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. That's my whole point, okay? So as a spirit-filled believer, as a baptized in the Holy Ghost believer in the church, we need to be careful how we present the gift of the Holy Ghost to other people. So let's say you've got another person that is born again, they're as saved as you and I are, and they're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. We need to be careful in how we bring it. Bring it. Talk to them about the gift of the Holy Ghost. But we need to be careful and say, that church needs the Holy Ghost. That person needs the Holy Ghost. That pastor needs the Holy Ghost. Well, what you really mean, they have the Holy Ghost. What you really mean is they need the baptism of the Holy Ghost in fire. They need the Holy Ghost in his fullness, the outpouring of the Spirit. I remember Ari Torrey sharing uh, his own personal testimony, and I've read uh, his testimony. And he talks about he was a minister. He was saved, and he was a Christian, and he pastored. And he'd get up in the pulpit, and it was so hard for him to preach. And if, if you've ever experienced that, then you would know what he's talking about. In other words, he, he preached, and when, as soon as he was through preaching, he flopped down in his chair at the back of the podium, and the devil came to him and said, now you've got to do it all over next week. And it was miserable. It was like all week long praying to God for a message, straining and struggling over the message, fearful, to, and he loved Jesus. He was saved. He's fearful to get in the pulpit, uh, just the devil tormenting him the whole time, and as soon as he would finish, he would flop down exhausted, and then the devil would say, now you got to do it again next week. He was miserable, and he was saved until he got, he says, until he was endued with this power from on high, this baptism in the Holy Spirit. And he says, and from then on, it was like me and Jesus standing in the pulpit. He had his arm around me, and I never thought twice about it. I was excited, and, and that fear was gone, and the torment was gone. That's his own personal testimony. Everybody's got their own. But you understand, he was saved and had the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, but what he was missing was the fullness of the Holy Spirit. What the hundred, he's, he's missing what 
was given to the 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. That's what he was missing. And so the Lord gives the Holy Spirit and he gives him in his fullness. All right. And that is the Lord's desire. If you are a believer, well, it was God's will that you're saved. He's not willing that any perish, but all come to repentance, right? Who will have all men to be saved. It's his will that you're saved. We're begotten by his will uh, in the blood of Jesus. But it's also his will for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I'm not here to chastise you. I'm here to tell you that is what's next if you're not. That is for you if you haven't received it. That is his desire and purpose and will for your Christian life, for you to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. It's not a special gift for special people. It didn't run out when the disciples died out. It wasn't only on the day of Pentecost. Uh, that is his gift for you. And so he wants us to know that, and he wants us to receive that, and he wants us to walk in that. Every good gift is from above, the Bible, the Bible says. And so he bestows this gift upon his children that ask him. It is a gift. Amen. Now, I want to just give some points here. First of all, what about this gift of the Holy Spirit? The baptism is given uh, in the Holy Ghost is given to who? Believers. The baptism in the Holy Spirit is given to believers. That sounds like a no brainer. But again, it's important um, to think that somebody's not saved and yet they read and they kind of like I want to be able to I want to be able to cast out devils and I want to be able to do this, that and the other and lay hands on the sick and they recover. I want to be able to do all those things and yet they're not born again. They cannot receive. Not that it's difficult for them to receive. They cannot. So if you're I'll just read it. We read it from John chapter 14. He says, I'll, I'll he'll give you another comforter. He says, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Now, this is important, too. Okay, the world cannot receive the Holy Ghost. Like what happened to the believers on Pentecost? That's the only people he poured out his spirit on on that day was the church, the early church. He poured out his spirit and it was a fulfillment of Joel's prophecy, and there was evidences of it that were given as a sign. Peter brought clarity to it. The church started. I mean, it began to grow and explode. The world did not receive that gift at that time. You have to first be saved. And when you're saved, then you can ask and receive this gift. Now, when Jesus says, but ye know him, Speaking to his disciples in John 14, the world can't receive him. It doesn't know him, doesn't see him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. This is another truth that we see pretty much uniformly through the Old Testament and up until the coming of Jesus. The Holy Ghost would come upon people. The Holy Spirit was still around in the Old Testament. And the Holy Spirit would come upon Samson. And he had to have strength to fight off Killed, you know, 3,000 Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, okay? Holy Spirit would come upon uh, even King Saul when he was young and before he became king. And he prophesied with the, with the prophets of God. The Holy Spirit would come upon men in a, in, a, in a powerful way, okay? But Jesus says he's with you to his disciples and shall be in you. Now, after the resurrection, I don't want to get too complicated. I'm just giving you these scriptures. We can study it more on your own, I guess, at another time. He said, he dwells with you now, he told his disciples, he shall be in you. And then he says, he also said, but I'm going to send the comforter. I'm going to send the comforter. So the Holy Spirit was with the disciples. And in John 20, verse 22, after Jesus had risen from the dead and appeared to his disciples, he breathed on them. This is what I believe. He breathed on them, it says, in, in chapter 20, verse 22, and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost, receive ye the Holy Spirit. I believe at that point, the Holy Spirit came to live within them. But they were not baptized in the Holy Spirit to the day of Pentecost. Now, you might, you might differ with me on that one scripture, but it does mean something when Jesus breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Ghost. But after that, he says, now wait for the promise that's going to come. 
for there was more to come than what they received in John 20 after the resurrection, right? And so uh, the Holy Spirit is given to believers. The the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is given to believers who ask, ask. It's important that we ask, okay? And so that 120, they were beseeching the Lord and asking the Lord. They were told to wait for the promise. They knew what they were praying for. They were praying for the promise, okay? The Bible, Jesus said, if ye then be an evil, it's almost word for word in Matthew 7 and then uh, Luke chapter 11. Uh, if ye then be an evil and that had to give good gifts unto your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Ghost, he says in Luke, to them that ask? When you gave your life to Jesus, you didn't ask for the Holy Ghost. You asked for salvation, forgiveness, eternal life. But here he's saying he'll give the Holy Ghost to them that ask. We are to ask the Lord for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, just like we would ask the Lord, please come in my heart and save me. I believe in you. I turn my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me your child. He does all that. He's doing it quicker than we can ask him. But here... It's, we, we read he's given to believers that ask. All right, the Holy baptism of the Holy Ghost is given to people that have a sincere desire to glorify God. If my desire for the baptism of the Holy Spirit was for any other reason, I think it would be cool to do this in the, in the Spirit and to have this power. That's what, uh, that's what it says of Simon in Philippi. He, he wanted to buy the Holy Ghost with money, because he wanted whoever he laid his hands on to receive this same gift. His, it, was not to, it was not for the glory of God. It was for his own glory. Okay, Peter rebukes him and says, you need to repent of this that's in your heart. Okay, and you're, you're in the gall of bitterness, he told him. The, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not given for our glory. It is for the glory of God. And we need to ask, when we ask God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it needs to be that, Lord, it would be in return for your glory, for the glory of Jesus Christ. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is given to believers who ask and have us, who are feminists still rendered, or at least have a desire to be fully surrendered to the Lord. If I'm going to still live with one foot in the world, and I know it, and I have no desire to surrender X, Y, and Z to the Lord Jesus Christ, then I don't believe we're going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That vessel needs to be empty so he can fill it. It needs to be empty of whatever's not of Jesus. He'll help us to do it. Come to him. Ask him. I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He'll say, okay, there's some things in your life you need to surrender. It doesn't have to take long. We can sur- help me, God. Surrender all to you. And I believe that we're going to be filled when we live this way. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is given to people to Christians, okay, born-again people, to give those born-again people, men, women, and young people, power and boldness. What's the purpose? You know, there's a lot of arguments that people argue about tongues, and is that, the, is that this, that, and the other? The, I believe it's an evidence, the evidence that I see in Scripture of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, but it's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. God didn't, Jesus Christ didn't baptize me in the Holy Ghost, so for the purpose of now you can go talk in other tongues. He, he, he says you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And so the, the evidence is not the same as the purpose, okay? If I drive by Tiger Stadium on a Saturday night in, in fall, the fall, I, I can hear, I can, you know, see all kinds of evidences that there's something big and major going on there, right? 100,000 people packed in there and people all outside and lights and noise and there's evidence that there's something happening there, but the purpose is not, that's not the same as the purpose. The purpose is to play the ball game and see who wins. The evidence is all of the commotion and activity and life that's going on, right? The purpose and the evidence are not the same thing. And so the Holy Ghost is given to believers to empower us and embolden us to be his witnesses. That's what he says to be his witnesses. That means martyr. Oh, well, that's not quite so popular, is it? You should be witnesses. I'm going to quote it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You can read it. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. We're witnesses unto the Lord. Okay? 
both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost part of the earth. Ye shall receive power after. So then they were told to wait for the promise, okay? It's, it's power to live for God and so forth, but it's dunamis power. That's the Greek word dunamis. I know that you've heard this before. He's given us to all things, according as divine nature has given us all things to pertain to life and godliness, that power to live that way. That's power, okay? This word, dunamis. And dunamis means an explosive power, but it also means power to reproduce like kind. Isn't that interesting? Power to reproduce like kind. If it is the Spirit of Christ, what is going to be produced in me by the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the same Spirit, the same life, the same holiness, the same love, the same It's going to be Christ being produced. And when this early church received this 120 and they went out and preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people got saved, guess what? They were just like the, the 120 that preached to them. And we're starting with sex and divisions. And this group of Christians is going to be different than that one. It was pow- it's power to re- reproduce like kinds. So the Lord is reproducing that life of Jesus. When you share the gospel to someone and they believe and they're saved, he's wanting pr- to reproduce that same life, okay, in that individual, not a different life, okay? It's going to be the same. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is given to those who wait for him. All right, so it's right there, but I'm reading from Acts 1, 4, and 5. Being assembled together with them, this is right before Jesus ascended, after his resurrection and before his ascension, just before it. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me, for John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. What's the point of that scripture? They had to wait. They had to wait. Jesus didn't say wait for five minutes, five days, or five years. He says just wait for the promise which you have heard, this promise of the Father. And I can say this. There are a lot of people that have prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that may have desired the Holy, baptism of the Holy Spirit, that have not received the Holy Spirit because they didn't wait. We need to wait. There needs to be some tarrying. And if I'm more worried about getting home to see the, the basketball tournament or golf tournament or to supper, lunch or whatever, uh, then pr- praying to receive, then receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, then you're going to have your lunch and your basketball games on TV, and you're not going to have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not. T- how long do I have to wait, Pastor? Until you receive. Until you receive. It might be when you're driving home. It might be when you're kneeling by your bed. It doesn't have to be here. It can be here. I remember, again, I was with my mother-in-law. I surrendered my life to the Lord, and she called me to come over, and she told me about this, and I, I, I was fresh and new in Christianity, and, and like really this whole new life of when I really surrendered everything to the Lord, it was all new to me. It was all ahead of me. I have a wonderful mother, a wonderful mother-in-law, but I, I remember uh, she called me to come over, and I sat in her den, and she, she read the few scriptures like we've read today. And she said, this is for you, Randy. Do you, do you want to pray for that and receive it? It was just real simple and orderly and biblical. And I said, yes, ma'am. And, you know, I wasn't married yet. She wasn't my mother-in-law at that time. Uh, and bowed my head and, and I received. And I received. And I spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave me utterance. I'd open my mouth, though. You know, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. We do have to, where the vessel he uses, we need to cooperate and open our mouths. And and I'll tell you the first thing that I noticed, not that it matters to you. This is a personal testimony. The first thing that I noticed when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, after I left that day and went about my business, two things that really stood out to me, like light bulbs coming on. And I was saved before that. Number one, an understanding and a love for God's word. It came flying off the page at me. It was, it was, I used to read my Bible hit or miss. And, okay, I've done my Bible reading for the day and I will close it. But when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, it was like it came alive to me. That's something that I noticed, okay, and I'm very thankful for. And I instantly began to have a burden for people around me that don't know the Lord. 
my good buddies didn't know Jesus. It, the first time the light bulb, instead of just saying, I don't want to lose my friends by acting too Christian, my thought now was they need to be saved. They need to be saved or they're going to hell forever. My brother's lost. I, you know, have a, all of a sudden you have a burden for people around you that you didn't have before. That's what I experienced. And, and again, it's the spirit of Christ, the spirit of holiness. And we notice these changes. And I was saved before. If I'd have died before that, I would have gone to heaven. I would have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. My body was the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I was not baptized in the Holy Spirit like, the, like we're talking about today. Last thought on this, just real quickly on this little part. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is given to believers. We mentioned it by Christ. This study we're doing is the doctrine of Christ. I'm just going to read this. Matthew 3.11, John the Baptist said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. It's not salvation. This is subsequent to salvation. It can be real close. It can almost be instantaneously at the same time. But it's not before salvation. The world cannot receive. Okay? He shall baptize you. Speaking of Jesus. Jesus says in Luke 24, after the resurrection, before the ascension, and behold, I send, I send the promise of the Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. So there was, uh, it, it comes by Christ. As I said, all the spiritual blessings of God are come to man through Christ. It's like all funneled down through Jesus. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The blessings come through us through Jesus, not outside of Jesus. I'm talking about him being Savior, me confessing him, believing him to be Lord of my life doesn't mean I have to be perfect. I'm surrendered at every given moment as much as I can be surrendered. I'm not walking in rebellion to God and knowingly disobeying God. But it, I'm in Christ and I'm walking in, the, in Christ. The blessings come to us, including the baptism of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus left, I want to make a few more points this morning. When Jesus, quote, left, okay, physically, you think about it, in the whole history of 6,000 years of creation, um, 6,000 plus, um, Jesus was only physically here in a human body for a very short time of that period, right? 33 and a half years, and only three and a half years of that was there even a public ministry where people, you know, he was teaching and preaching and so forth, and he had followers. He was here for only a very short time. When he left this earth and went away, so to speak, he sent on the day of Pentecost to his followers. They were already his followers. They were waiting because he told them to wait. All right. He sent to them the Holy Spirit in his place, the comforter, the promise of the Father. Now, it's important that we understand that the Holy Spirit's coming is not a cheap, uh, substandard replacement for Jesus. In other words, Okay, well, Jesus is going to leave, but make do with the, the comforter for a while. That's not his attitude at all. And I think some, sometimes people think that, you know, Jesus left and they were sad. When he told them he was going to leave, they were sad. I would have been sad too. But he, the way he encouraged them was that I am going to send the comforter to you. And he's going to be with you forever. This is not a cheap, second-rate substitute, but the Spirit of Christ himself. This is not some fill-in <clears throat> to do like a substitute teacher that would just make do until our real teacher gets back here. It's the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus says that I will pray the Father, he'll give you another comforter, that he'll abide with you forever. And then in the same breath, the same sentence, he says, I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. So what the coming of the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and the promise subsequently to us as believers is Christ coming in the Spirit to us. It's Christ. It's not just, here's the Father, here's the Son, here's something else. It's the Holy Spirit is the Spirit. He's called the Spirit of Christ, okay? He says, I'm going to send the Comforter. I won't leave you comfortless. Okay, Lord, how are you going to comfort us? I will come to you. He's talking about Jesus didn't return again in their day. 
He sent the Holy Spirit again in their day. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, you understand that in the Lord's eyes, this is not some substandard replacement. Jesus is leaving. Guess we're stuck with the Holy Ghost. Uh, that's not the thought or the idea. He says, I'm going to come to you. Is Christ in you the hope of glory? Isn't that what the Bible says? But I thought Christ was the right hand of the Father. Well, it's the Holy Spirit that is actually in us. But he says, Christ in you. The Spirit of the Lord in us. And so, again, in his fullness. And when he comes, Jesus said, when he comes, he's going to testify of me. He's going to comfort the people of God. He will abide with the people of God forever. Ever. He'll glorify Christ. He will empower and embolden believers to live this life and to live a holy life. The Holy Ghost is holy, by the way. So you can't be doing all kinds of things that are ungodly and saying, well, the Holy Ghost made me do it. No, he did not. Holy Ghost didn't make you do something that's unholy and ungodly. Holy Ghost is holy, okay? Going to line up with Jesus and going to line up with the scriptures, okay? The Holy Ghost will empower us to live, believers, to live a holy life before the Lord, to testify of Christ before men, like Peter did. One of the greatest examples of the difference that the Holy Ghost, make, baptism of the Holy Spirit makes in a believer's life is Peter. There's no getting around it. Peter was a believer. It was way back in Matthew 16 where he confessed. The Lord says, who do you say that I am, Peter? Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. My Father has revealed this to you. Blessed art thou. I'm going to build my church upon this profession of your faith. Peter was a believer. He was a believer. Okay? And yet when the Lord was arrested that night, Peter denied the Lord three times. Said he would die for the Lord, but he didn't die for the Lord. Not then, anyway. He ran, he ran and hid in the shadows and warmed himself by a fire and says, I don't know this man, Jesus. And cursed on the last time. Well, that's a follower of Jesus? Well, Jesus doesn't want his followers to be that way. You know what? He's got to an answer for that. The baptism of the Holy Spirit. And Peter ends up being crucified upside down later in life. Same Peter. Same person. He was saved before and he's saved after. What's the difference? The difference is boldness. You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me. Peter was a witness unto the Lord. As were all the disciples other than Judas. And so that to me is such a wonderful biblical example. What difference does the baptism of the Holy Ghost make? I remember Clendenin, uh, Pastor Clendenin, uh, sharing this before. He was saved as an adult later in life after he fought in the uh, South Pacific in World War II. And, and uh, he was saved. And a preacher told him at the church he was attending, you, you need to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And you'd have to know Brother Clinton and his personality because is it better than what I have? And the pastor says, it's not better than what you have, but make what you have better. I kind of like that description. You know, salvation is salvation. You can't make that better, but it'll make, what, it'll make what you have better. That life in Christ and walking in that power and that fullness that the Lord, and he did pray, amen, and receive. But when the Holy Ghost comes, he's going to give us understanding of God's word that we would not have uh, apart from that baptism, uh, teach us spiritual things and so forth. He'll bring, Jesus said, he'll bring to remembrance the things that I've spoken unto you. Is that not a blessing to have the Lord? He'll do the same for us. It's not just for these disciples. They were with him and they heard him. You ever, you ever wonder how John, uh, for example, I think 60 years after the fact, wrote uh, the Gospel of John and 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John and Revelation. How did he do that? How did he remember all these specific quotes? Well, it was the Lord. The Holy Ghost will bring those things to remembrance. Has he done that with you? If you've heard a sermon or you've read something in the Bible and all of a sudden you're out street witnessing, you're like, what is that, that scripture I need? Bam. And the Lord gives you a scripture. You didn't even know you knew it. And the Holy Ghost gives it to you and you understand and you're sharing Man, you're almost surprised at yourself. Where did that come from? came from the Lord. came from the Holy Spirit. Amen? And the baptism of the Holy Spirit. God does that. One more scripture I, wanna, I want us to look at together. In John chapter 16. 
So all this is in context. We've looked at chapters 14, 15, here at 16 of John. Look at verse 7. Nevertheless, I tell you, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him. Jesus is the one who dispatches and bestows the Holy Spirit in his fullness upon believers. So he's telling them here, and this is why they were sad, because he said he was going to go away. He says it's actually necessary. He says sorrow has filled your hearts because I told you I was leaving. He says it's expedient. That word expedient means profitable. So I would scratch my head and say, how could it possibly, Lord? You're our Lord. You're our Savior. You're God in the flesh. How could it possibly be profitable to me for you to leave? We want you right here with us. How could that benefit me? He says, it's necessary, it's profitable for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. His answer was, the Holy Ghost I'm going to send unto you and upon you. But he can't come until I leave. This is going to be a good thing for y'all that I leave. After the work on the cross is finished and so forth, and he says it's been and he resurrection from the dead and raised in power, and he, he's going to send to the right hand of the Father is what he's telling them. And it's good that all this takes place because as long as I'm here, the Holy Ghost is not going to come upon you in this bat mighty baptism and with fire. But when I leave, I will send him unto you. Okay? So we need to receive that as being, this is a good thing. My Savior tells me that this is a good thing. It's beneficial that I go. Because if I go, I'm going to send him. Amen? It's, it's only beneficial. He, he had to leave in order for the Holy Spirit to come. So look at verses 12 through 14, the same chapter. I have yet many things to say unto you, but I, you cannot bear them now. Howbeit, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself. But whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, and shall show it unto you. This is more the blessing of the, the beneficial part, the profitable part of the Lord leaving. Okay, amen. I'm just going to bring this to a close this morning. It is a tremendous blessing. The baptism, the Holy Ghost is not a it. The baptism in the Holy Ghost is a tremendous blessing. It is a gift of God. He's called the gift of the Holy Spirit. And he is given to us as believers to help us through this life as Christ followers. As, it, as being his disciple, the baptism of the Holy Ghost is given to help us. Help us to stay in the faith, to help us to stay in the truth, to keep us in the way that we should go, to keep us from falling, to give us discernment, to comfort our hearts when we're weak or when we're weary, when we are afraid, when we're overwhelmed. To sh he's given to shed God's love abroad in our hearts, Romans chapter 5, to set us on fire for Christ and for the name of the Lord, to teach us, to lead us into all truth, to teach us to recognize the voice of our good shepherd, to draw men to God through our lives, to make us salt and light, to cause us to hope. I was just jotting all these things down the other day. To cause us to hope in God, to cause us to hope in his heaven to cause us to hope in the rapture of the church, to cause us to hope in Christ's return, to strengthen us to serve the Lord. He's given to us to glorify Christ and to help us keep our eyes on Jesus. He's a help to us. He's not a burden. He's not some weird freakish thing. It is the spirit of Christ, the same Christ that redeemed you and loved you and called you to be his child and made you his child. It's the, that spirit in his fullness upon our lives. And I think what kindness of the Lord, and D, you can come on up, what kindness of the Lord to not leave his people comfortless, to not live, leave his people powerless. He says, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves, but we're not powerless. He says, I'm with you. Lo, I'm with you. Even unto the ends of the earth, I'm with you. How are you with me, Lord? By the Holy Ghost. And specifically the baptism of the Holy Spirit. How kind of the Lord to not leave us without his presence. He says, I will send the comforter. I will come to you. Isn't that amazing? 
I will not leave your comfortless. I will come to you. Who is this promise for? Well, Peter answered that question on the day of Pentecost. He stood up with it when he preached Christ to them. He didn't preach the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He preached Christ to them. 3,000 people got saved. And he says, he says, for this promise is unto you and to your children and to them that are far off and as, to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Mm-hmm. Well, he's calling all men to repentance. Amen. He's calling men to himself. In other words, it's for you. If you've given your life to Jesus, if you gave your life to Jesus this week, this morning, that promise is for you. This promise is for you. The Lord desires you to have it. Why would we not receive such a gift as the Lord wants to give? He promised this gift. And, and Paul says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That just means it's beyond description. Unspeakable. I can't even put it in words. Amen. These altars are open. Dee's going to play. And I just want to encourage you. I, you know, I, I try to say this all the time, and I, I want it to be, and I pray this all the time, that you would know that Cornerstone Church of Baton Rouge is a spirit-filled church. We believe this. I'm not ashamed of this. I'm not confused about it, okay? We, I believe in salvation and subsequently the baptism of the Holy Spirit for those that are saved. I have more scriptures. I have a sheet that I just did myself years ago that I would hand to people that were praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. If anybody wants more of that and more biblical scriptures to kind of bring you through the, uh, through the teaching of it, I would be glad to get with you and show you more of that. But I'm going to just tell you this morning, this gift is for you. And these altars are open. And I just want to encourage you to come and pray and, and receive. You know, uh, James said, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. You have to ask in faith, nothing wavering. Stand upon the word of God. It's not a feeling. It's a faith believing in God's scriptures. Yea, let God be true and every man a liar. This gift is for you and for your children and them that are far off. As many as the Lord our God shall call. He wants to give the Holy Ghost in his fullness in your life, upon your life. Amen. And I just encourage you to come and pray.